everyone, and welcome to Our Salty Life. I'm Megan Barker, and today I am joined by two other fellow CF wives, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about IVF. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and then we'll get started. Colleen, you want to go first? Sure. My name is Colleen Westerman. My husband, Andrew, has CF. He was diagnosed shortly after birth, um, and we started our IVF journey about 10 years ago in 2011. Awesome. All right. How about you, Megan? Yeah, I'm Megan Fisher. Uh, My husband, Nathan Fisher, was diagnosed with CF at six months. Um, It was kind of an emergency situation. Uh, And then we got married in 2011, and we have a five-year-old through IVF, and I am 19 weeks pregnant with our second miracle. Yay, that's so awesome. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. So when you guys first met your spouses, did you know going into your relationships that IVF would be something that you would deal with or could potentially be something that you would have to do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it took Andrew a while to tell me about his um, CF diagnosis. Um, I think it just takes him a while to open up to people. Um, and he's always said he doesn't want anyone to treat him differently um, or feel any sense of pity or anything like that. So it took him a while to tell me. But um, I have a background as a chemist. I am very big on research and knowing what I'm getting into and understanding a situation. So yeah, right away, I started looking into it and realized that Um, If we were to have children in the future, it would likely require IVF. Um, So I knew that going into it um, and just sort of accepted the circumstances as they were. I think one of the things that has always rung true to me is you never know what life has in store, right? So um, I didn't want to make any decisions based on fear and decided to just continue with this relationship and we would take whatever came our way. That's awesome. Clean, are we married to the same person? <laughs> We're just thinking the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I've known Nathan for I don't know, since middle school. So um it wasn't like he announced it or anything to our group of friends, but it was all kind of common knowledge um within our group of friends, but um what that mean, what that meant for me at the time when we were just friends was like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, but when we started dating seriously, then it was like, oh, like, because I'm a teacher. So although um not science research background, but um definitely need need to be in the know sort of person. Um, so I definitely took that in stride of uh, needing to know all the things. Um, so when we got more serious, I started looking into that and it was definitely, um, a really big, um, discussion, um, our ongoing discussion as we were, um, getting closer to getting married. Um, and actually Nathan hadn't been, um, tested because most, uh, CF men don't have sperm. Um, and so the, um, he actually had that test done prior to us getting married. 
Okay. Yeah. Ty was, Ty was pretty much the same. I mean, obviously, um, I only knew him for, we got married eight months to the day from our first date. So yeah, I didn't have this whole huge time to learn about CF, but it's kind of funny because, you know, you would think being a respiratory therapist, I would have, you know, I would have learned things. Um, the amount of education that I got on CF when I was in respiratory school, literally equated to two pages and like a 1600 page book. And so what I know I learned after I met him and, you know, it was one of those things where he was like, I'm never going to be able to have kids. You know, I've, it's just, it is what it is. And I'm like, wait, what? And, you know, I started reading like Colleen. I like to research everything. I like to know all the things that I can know. And I'm like, oh, but there's a percentage, there's a chance. So I think that I like falsely fell into this bubble of naivety for, a while. Oh yeah, we're going to get pregnant. It's going to be fine. And then it just didn't happen and didn't happen. It didn't happen. I'm like, Oh, well, maybe, maybe we should, you know, check this out. And then, you know, we went and met with the um, reproductive people and they were like, well, let's check you and see. And we saw the urologist and he was like, Oh yeah, no, you're you're not going to be getting pregnant the (laughs) traditional way. Yep. So it was kind of like, okay, well then, you know, because then you go through this whole thing. Well, is it him? Is it me? Is it, you know, there's just a whole a whole bunch of, you know, questions that come up and it's kind of an interesting dynamic for us because we all marry into the world of CF. So we don't grow up with these guys having these conversations with doctors and nurses and specialists to kind of prepare you for this. So, you know, you do kind of get put in the spot where you're wondering, you know, is it, is it on my end? Is it on their end? No. And so it was a little reassuring to figure out that that's, that's what it was for us. Absolutely. I think the first time that I went to a regular doctor appointment, like I came out with a headache, (laughs) just trying to like analyze all the things that were going on. And they then said to me, Oh, (laughs) I should have told you to only listen to the most important stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> it, it is though. It's like information overload. And I, you know, I've talked to, I have, I have friends across the, you know, the clinic side of the CF community. And I've told them, I'm like, you guys need to make like a simplified version of this, like a precursor course for spouses and partners, because we come into it and it's like, holy crap. Do we, <laughs> whoa. But um, I think one of the things that, that I was really concerned with that was going to be a barrier for us was going to be the cost for seat for IVF. Um, it was kind of kismet. I always say that, um, when we started our IVF journey, like we went, we met with one doctor that was in network for the hospital system that I worked for. And then I actually changed jobs. And when I changed jobs, the company that I worked for, they actually covered IVF. Wow. Which is unheard of. And I don't think that's the way it is anymore. I don't work for that system, but um, yeah, I mean, we, they, they paid, they covered all of my procedures, most of our medications. I mean, there was some stuff that was out of pocket, but you know, I, I see all these people that, you know, they fundraise and they do all this stuff. And so it's, you know, it's very, I, I can't imagine how stressful that part of that would be. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm just, mulling over here about how that would feel. 
I know. See, and, and, and that's what I, what I get whenever I tell people that I'm like, yeah, I was like, it was covered. I mean, I think it was something new that they had tried. They tried to, um, I guess the realization is that not everybody can have babies the fun traditional way. And so they, they opened up a thing for IVF and adoption, which I thought was amazing because both of them are so costly. Absolutely. Yeah. My four rounds were actually covered. I was very, very lucky, but I think Illinois as a state does have a requirement for um, Illinois-based companies that they do have to cover a portion of IVF. So um, very, very lucky because I know that isn't the case for most people and it is extremely expensive. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So I'm the odd one out. <laughs> um, the... Um, <laughs> We basically made it work to live on Nathan's salary because he is still working full time, full time and then some. Um, and then um, basically I was working to pay for whatever costs were coming from IVF. Okay. Um, and so because I think when we looked into it, um, the insurance I had the first time around. Um, they covered like the very preliminary, like blood tests. And I'm like, thank you <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And the, so we only have in South Dakota, um, we have one reproductive clinic in the entire state. Oh, wow. Yep. Um, <clears throat> thankfully, we're only an hour and a half away from it and not, you know, six. Um, and actually, when I first started um, going to that clinic, there was only one reproductive doctor. Um, and since they have hired on um, a second doctor, and we've done four rounds of IVF through that clinic. Wow. That's crazy. Yep. That's I just I'm 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 still fixating on the fact that there's only one. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess it's not really that common of us, but I mean it is a specialty, and I guess it's not really um but we were, we had choices, thankfully, because, yeah. you know, it's always nice. I think when you can go and get the perspective, um, did any of you guys have to follow up with like, once you got pregnant with like a, a spe like a specialist, I know I was high risk because I had twins. And so I had to go see a specialist. And so is that, I don't know if that's common with IVF or if it's more just because I had twins. <laughs> Yeah, I did not, um, but I will say my OBGYN seemed, I know he was familiar with IVF, but all of the questions I was getting, like, when was your last period? When was this? And I'm like, that doesn't really apply in this situation. Like I kept saying, I did IVF. Like I know the exact date that <laughs> this baby was conceived. Like it's, it's science. I, I have all of the dates. I have everything. <laughs> so it's like, they just weren't, I don't know. It was weird that they weren't getting that. Like that those questions you're asking me aren't applicable in this situation. So well, that was, that was me. So we went through IVF. We obviously, we, we fertile myrtle here. We implanted two embryos, really just hoping one would take. And then poof, we have, we have our sweet little 
twins, but, um, I went to the maternal fetal specialist the first time and he was like, well, you know, we'll do some testing and we'll check and see. And if, um, your, if, you know, or we can test to see if any of the, the babies are CF positive carriers, whatever. And, um, you can make decisions then I was like, let me just dial this way on back. We went through IVF to have these babies. I don't care if they come out with 12 heads and 10 legs, you know, it was just, but it was, I understand why they asked the questions, but I remember thinking, it's not like we just made a baby. Mm -hmm. You know, we knew all of the, all of the things. I mean, I was tested. We did all of the, all of the precautionary measures, but you know, if it was meant to be, it was meant to be. And, you know, we would travel down that path. But it was it was interesting the conversations on the front because I kept thinking I was like well you should understand you know because you're a specialist so you should I mean I guess that they tend to have more complicated conversations but it was I don't know it was just it was kind of weird like I left there in tears and this whole time I said I'm never going back to see him ever and then he <laughs> ended up being my saving grace when the boys tried to come really early he he kept them in and kept them safe until they, I could deliver them safely, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting dynamic for sure. Did, um, so obviously you guys don't have twins. Um, did you guys do fresh cycles or frozen cycles for your, for your subsequent attempt? Yeah. So I did both. Um, so I did a first fresh cycle. That's a whole long story. Um, I was super convinced it was going to work. My reproductive endocrinologist was super positive. You're going to be pregnant, no problem. And I left there thinking like, awesome. I never have to do this again. Like I'm going to get pregnant. I'm going to have frozen embryos for next time. Done. Um, so yeah, that ended in, um, it didn't work out. <laughs> we didn't have any frozen embryos as a result. Um, so went again for another second fresh cycle. Um, and that one resulted in my now eight-year-old. Um, I ended up changing clinics for the third round, um, did another fresh cycle because I did not have frozen embryos from the second one. That fresh cycle resulted in my now six-year-old. Um, and we did have a frozen embryo as a result of that. That was the first time that it happened um, throughout those three fresh cycles. Transferred the frozen one, did not take, um, went through a fourth fresh cycle, and that one didn't work out either. And that one was different. It just, my results were terrible. Um, I didn't have as many eggs retrieved. Um, they had trouble fertilizing those eggs that were retrieved and um, basically gave me a 20% chance if we were to go through IVF again. Um, and so we kind of decided, okay, we're just meant to have these two amazing boys um, and that's it. But that was hard to accept. So um, yeah, we, to answer your question, had done both. Um, the fresh cycles were what worked out for me. I think it was just chance. Um, yeah. What about you, Megan? Does I, can I just pause and say, like I love all of this and like this is so affirming to like the journey and I feel like just thank you Megan for no problem together because I think that this is like what I wanted like as a person being married to a CF man and going through IVF I thought I was like alone and hearing these stories I'm like oh I'm not (laughs) 
Well, that was kind of the the thought behind yeah. this was that, you know, we have, you know, like I said before, we, you know, we don't have the benefit of years of learning about CF and kind of knowing, okay, these are the dynamics that we're going to face as spouses. And, um, you know, so I think it's important to share these stories because these are the things that we as the wives will experience. And it's not, this is not something that you're going to learn in a doctor's appointment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we went through our first retrieval and we had three viable embryos. We implanted two and that's, um, the pregnancy that my, um, now five-year-old resulted from, we had one embryo frozen. Um, and so I was just so over the moon about being pregnant the first time, um, that I didn't really consider like being sad about the first, uh, like having two embryos and only resulting in one child. Um, so I didn't really feel that, but then I felt <laughs> the loss of both that one and um, the subsequent frozen that um, resulted in a chemical pregnancy. <clears throat> um, and so basically what that meant was the doctor called and said, yeah, you're pregnant. Um, and that was from a blood test that they did. <clears throat> And then um, over the weekend, then we had um, another blood test uh, a couple of days later. And then they're like, your numbers are dropping. There's still a chance you might be pregnant, but um, it's not looking that great. And, you know, go in and get another blood test done. And then it was confirmed um, that I was in fact um, not pregnant. So that was really difficult um, for both of us. And it felt like Nathan was ready to like move on and like, let's just keep going and keep pushing. And I was like, hold up. Like I, (laughs) I'm still reeling. Um, and the other thing, um, with our five-year-old, we got, I feel like we did all the tests and all the genetic counseling and, um, and I got tested for hundreds of different things. Um, and actually our son was born with a medical condition that is now on, um, the genetic, like general genetic test, um, which is not CF. Um, and that also made like deciding, do we continue um, trying to have biological children. Um, so for me, um, it was like this whole mind game. Um, and actually we tried lots of different, um, other options besides IVF in between. And then we finally, uh, came back to like, no, like this is what we want. Um, so we went back um, to that same clinic and, um, went in for a second, uh, retrieval. And that one was way more successful than the first one, um, for how many 
eggs were retrieved and fertilized and fertilized well. Um, it resulted in, we did a fresh cycle that um, did not take. And then um, I am now pregnant from um, the frozen cycle of that. Awesome. Retrieval. That's awesome. And we have five embryos frozen, which the other round that we did, we only had one embryo frozen. So it was kind of, it was a huge shocker. Um, <laughs> Cause I basically told my husband, I'm like, if we're going to do a second cycle, you have to be okay with however many embryos are frozen. <laughs> and um, so when we found out that we had lots of embryos frozen. He was like, Whoa, <laughs> wasn't expecting that. I'm like, I told you to be ready for any amount. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so interesting to hear the the different aspects of this, because one of the things that I think that people don't, they don't think about with, with IVF people that haven't experienced it, I should say is the mental impact that it has on you. I, I remember, um, I went to have my hysteroscopy and they, I, I called, to, I went by myself cause I was like, yeah, they're just, it's, they're just checking to make sure everything's fine with me. They don't need you to go with this. And I remember a, it was horribly uncomfortable and B just this sense of, oh my God, this isn't going to work for us. It's not going to happen. And I called Ty and I literally, like it was like a 45 minute drive. I think I talked to him the whole way home. I cried the whole way. And I mean, I kind of felt like a crazy person because I was just like, okay, they didn't do anything to you. Why, why are you like this? And then even once they, um, once they implanted the embryos back in, um, I, I mean, like I literally looked like I was pregnant two weeks after they put the embryos back in me, like I had this, this little gut and I'm like, Whoa, when I'm like, well, nope, nope. I'm just hyperstimulating. That's all this is. I'm not pregnant. This isn't going to work. Like I had this huge denial. And I think that that was like my body's way and my mental way of saying, okay, this is how you're going to survive this if it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it was just so, you know, of course they tell you not to test and, you know, I obviously tested because that's what I do. And, um, it was, it was positive. And I'm like, well, it's only positive because I've had the progesterone and the, da, 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 da. and so like, I had this whole, like, you know, I talked myself out of being pregnant. And so when we went back and I saw the little squigglies, I'm like, oh my God, I'm really pregnant. And then there was like this whole other unraveling of emotions. And so I think that people, people don't fully grasp that. It's not just about the physical aspect of this. It's the mental part of it too, is very overwhelming. And I can't imagine how that was for you guys with the multiple attempts and then the losses that came with that. And just, it's just my hat and heart goes out to you guys. Cause that's just, I can't, I can't even fathom. Yeah, I actually think the mental emotional toll is far more significant than just the physical toll. Um, you know, I, I kind of mentioned in our first round, our our doctor was so positive and so optimistic and basically implied like this was a piece of cake. And I really wish he would have taken a step back because I was on board. I was like emotionally invested. I'm like, okay, we're going to have a baby by October, like done. Um, and so I appreciate his enthusiasm and his optimism, but I wish he would have said, you know, 
I, I'm hopeful, but the reality is this is a process and we learn something with each round of IVF. Um, because I remember when I went in, it was a five-day transfer and I was like, okay, I went in by myself, kind of like you, Megan, I told my husband, I don't, I don't need you. It's just a transfer. I'm in and out. Um, and hearing you only have one embryo that made it to blast. And I think at that time we had had about 20 retrieved and, um, 11 of those fertilized. So I felt like going into it, our odds were, were really good. Um, so to hear that it was shocking. And so they, um, transferred the, the two best embryos and said, we'll give you a phone call and let you know how the remaining ones are doing. Um, so I kind of went home that day and I was just really like shocked. I was hopeful that it would work out. Um, but then they called, I think it was the next day and said, no, we're sorry. You know, none of your other embryos have made it to blast and we don't have any to freeze. And I just lost it. Like I remember sobbing and sobbing and thinking here I was going into this, assuming like this would be somewhat not easy, but this would work out in my favor and I would have frozen embryos to transfer and I would never have to do this again. And now it's kind of a complete turn of events where hopefully this round works out. But if I do want another child, I will have to go through this again. And ultimately, um, you know, that resulted in a negative. So um, it was such an emotional roller coaster and really like kind of set me up for things to come. And I was a lot more guarded um, going into the next rounds. I really, even once I was pregnant, kind of like you, Megan, I remember keeping pregnancy tests on hand just because I wanted, like, if I was ever in doubt, I wanted that reassurance. Um, I bought like one of those heart monitors where you could try to, you know, monitor the baby. I was just really nervous the entire time. Um, I was obviously hopeful and optimistic and excited, but I was, there was also that sense of, I hope this isn't taken away from me. I, I really hope this works out, you know, so it's hard. The emotional aspects are so hard. Yeah. And I remember watching it because it seems like around the time that Ty and I decided, because we, like I said, we went, we met with somebody and then it was probably another year before we were like, okay, we're, we're ready. Let's do this. And I remember around the time that we were making those decisions, um, I had several friends who got pregnant. And it was like, mm -hmm. you know, baby announcement, baby announcement. And I just remember thinking, is this going to happen for us? And, you know, because you had, there's, there, there were just so many things up in the air. And I, it, it, I remember like, I was like, okay, I just need to not talk to anybody because mm -hmm. it was so hard to, I struggled with, okay, let me be happy for you while I'm over here dying on the inside. Yeah. Yep. I can totally relate to that. I remember that feeling too. Um, and you are, you are happy for other people, but it, it's hard to celebrate not knowing what your future holds. Um, yeah, it's such, such like this emotional roller coaster. Like I said, you just don't know how to feel and you're confused. So yeah, it's, it's a difficult process for sure. Absolutely. I would 100% agree with everything that you guys said and like, for me, it was easier before we started uh, to like be genuinely happy for people um, because it was still like, oh, daddy, because um, we also went and met with a person and, and Megan, just like your story, it was like about a year later, it's finally when my husband decided, okay, we can 
do this. Um, and, but then like after the first, um, two rounds, like then it got really hard. Cause then it was like, do we, you know, if we want more biological children, like, um, we're going to have to go through the entire process all again. And for me, it was really hard with my son's medical condition. Like, okay, so it's a very much a possibility that our subsequent children could have that same medical condition. So then it's like, do we want to go through all of that again? Um, and maybe have another child with, uh, medical condition. So we're just like the medical family over there. Um, and that part was, um, yeah, just like this head game and literally it took like me going and seeing someone and being like talking all this out with another person, uh, to be like, I'm ready to do it again. Um, and yeah, just the mental head games that we go through. For me, it was that was more difficult than any of the procedures um, that like procedures and the physical changes that we have to endure. Um, it's interesting to me because like the way my clinic did it is that on transfer day, I, I took a volume. <laughs> so, um, I had to have her. So that's interesting to me that you guys went and did that. <laughs> Blessed. Like, I think that the transfer day is like the most, um, it's not like physically difficult but the mental game on transfer day rough. yeah I um Ty went with me so I went by myself when I had a procedure done he went with me on transfer day and I remember watching you know obviously they had the they had it on a big monitor where we could watch them put them in and I remember thinking okay 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 I'm gonna be pregnant I'm gonna be pregnant but then I remember it, it, it was it was that like that cautious optimism. And I think that that kind of, I kind of lost that a little bit because I just kept thinking, I was like, this isn't going to work. Cause I think, you know, like I said before, just trying to set yourself up, protect yourself for, you know, okay, if this doesn't work, you know, to be prepared for it. But it was, I remember, I mean, obviously I can still, the boys are eight, but I can still remember that day. Like it was this morning. And, um, but I, I just, I do, I think that that was the most emotional moment. Of, of the whole process because it's like, okay, and now we wait. And it just, I remember it was, it was just, I don't know. It was very, it was an exciting, overwhelming, you know, all of the above and then more, and then, you know, kind of, but in the back of my mind, it was like, okay, is it going to work? You know? And I think that that's, that's something that everybody that goes through this probably experiences, but it's just, you know, because our circumstances are so different then, you know, the normal scenario, it just, it's just extra stressful. Right. Thanks for clarifying. I must have, I said <laughs> he was there on transfer day. I was like, wow, that that's impressive. 
that you did that on your own, but no, the things are clarifying that he was there. That just makes Colleen a rock star. <laughs> well, I learned my lesson and my husband was there for the subsequent transfers, <laughs> but yeah, that first time I, lesson learned because I would if I were to go through it again I would make sure he was there um you definitely need that support system yeah it's and it's it's so funny like and I think that that's why I wanted to do this because we have such valuable insight to share with people you know like I've I've talked to so many people and said okay this is what you what you expect but it's it's hard to prepare someone for something like this because everybody's journey is so different but I also think that it's good to kind of paint a very clear picture of what the ups and the downs look like, because it's just, you know, you can read about something all day long, but until you go through it, it's, it's very, very different. Yeah, for sure. So um, when we did our first IVF podcast, I kind of asked the ladies that were on that panel. And I want to close with this with you guys, because I think this is the most important thing that we can do for our community. If you had advice for people starting the IVF process, and then those that are on their IVF journeys, what, what would that be? What kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, I actually thought about this last night as I was thinking about this podcast. Um, so I think my first piece of advice would be um, if there are clinics available in your area, more than one clinic available, research those clinics. Um, I went into it and actually had a friend going through IVF at the same time who was involved in a, in a fertility clinic and recommended it. And I just went with her recommendation. But I really wish I would have met with multiple doctors, um, looked into these statistics. I don't think statistics tell the whole story. Um, I want to put that out there, but I think they do give you kind of a good picture um, of how successful a clinic may be. Um, so I did end up changing clinics after my second um, IVF process and liked the second clinic much better. Um, I just felt like I connected with the doctor better. Um, and it was a smaller clinic, so I could reach out to nurses. Um, I had my own nurse, whereas the first one, it was just whoever answered the phone. So I think that's my number one piece of advice. My number two is um, be hopeful and optimistic, but also realistic. Um, I think it's great to, to be you know, positive and excited about the journey, but also understand that it's a process, it's a journey. And with each IVF cycle, your doctor is going to learn more about you. Um, everybody responds differently. So just kind of kind of treat it as, as a journey and not one and done like I did with my first cycle. Um, and I would also say my third piece of advice is don't compare yourself to others. Um, like I said previously, everyone is different. People respond differently. I remember, you know, even like Googling, and this is so silly, but I would say like, okay, I had five eggs that were fertilized. What are the odds of this? But it's not about statistics or odds. I'm, I'm a chemist. I like data. Um, I like statistics, but at the end of the day, it, it it's all about the person um, and everyone is different. So um, I think those are probably my three best pieces of advice. I love all of that. I think that's wonderful. And I think it's spot on. What about you, Megan? Do you have anything to pass forward? Um, yeah. So I would wholeheartedly agree uh, with Colleen and her advice and just reiterate too um, that it's a journey and that the one and done that's um, we got pregnant 
the first time, but it wasn't one and done. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I would really advise to find a confidant that they don't have to know all the ins and outs of uh, what you're going through, but someone besides your partner. Um, because I mean, for sure you can confide in them and I, Nathan will tell you that I have confided in him and, um, for lots of things. Um, but for me, it was finding someone who would affirm the hurt and, uh, and the joy and everything in between. And as well as like, just listen to all of the mess that is uh, the beautiful mess that is IPF. I like that. I like that. And I think for me, the biggest thing is to remember to give yourself grace, to feel whatever it is that you need to feel. I mean, like I said, you know, we transferred two embryos and they both took and, you know, we were the one and done, but I didn't feel that endless joy every second because I had so much fear and I had so much just overwhelming anxiety. Okay. Is this going to take, is this going to work? And, and I think that that's normal too. And I think it's okay. It's okay to feel whatever it is that you're feeling. And I think, I think you're right, Megan. I think having someone that you can talk to who they don't have to understand, but just someone who is there that can offer that support that you need is, is just such a, that's such a crucial part of our lives as CF spouses and partners anyway. But especially when it comes to something like this, I think having that sounding board is very important. Absolutely. For sure. Well, thank you ladies so much for doing this. I'm super excited about the stories that you guys have shared. And I think that this is going to be a wonderful tool for our community. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm also going to say, I think IVF mommies are the best mommies because we worked extra hard (laughs) for our kiddos. So um, kudos to all of us who've gone through it. It's not easy. (laughs) Completely. And as you can hear, my five-year-old is on videos now, so a lot of games, excuse me. (laughs) Thank you for putting this all together. No worries. Thank you, guys. Thank you.